One more week left in our series called New Beginnings in this book, this amazing book, the book of Genesis that is somehow so incredibly truthful but poetic but holds a mirror up to our lives and shows us what we are really like and then tells us about our God who's come to rescue us and save us. In other words, this book is incredibly important. And we're about to close this book, and we'll be opening up a new book, but it's coming to an end, and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm tearful about it a bit. We've got next week, maybe one more, we'll see what happens, but today's an important day for you, because we're talking about how life, at some point, will or has thrown you into a pit, and you've got to get out of the pit. And life will keep throwing you in the pit. And those who have a life well lived are people who are, who've gotten really good at climbing out of this pit. And so if what we're going to do for the next two weeks is we're going to look at different types of people. We're looking at the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel. And we're looking at them as examples because some of them have gone down into the depths of the pit and they've come out. And some of them have been thrown in and they have potentially never come out. And, my pra- and, and for, for me, my prayer for my family, and I'm starting to think that this is one of the most important prayers you could pray, is that God help us face today and tomorrow's difficulties, problems, struggles, suffering, whatever it is, with your strength, God. Whatever, whatever comes today, whatever comes tomorrow, what we need most is God's strength. And I think it's because we're getting thrown in the pit. And the pit is way worse than you think it is. So we read this earlier. Uh, the pit today represents hell on earth. So when you read the Psalms, it says something like this. Psalm 40, verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. Then Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from those who go down to the pit. Now, the pit is Sheol, which means it's a personal hell right here on the earth. And it's something that our lives descend into. And it's something that we're thrown in. And if we don't get out, you might be there forever. And the human life, you have to understand this about the human life. It is a journey into the abyss. It is a journey into the darkness. It's a journey into the the places that we don't want to go, but life will throw us in there, and we have got to get out. That's our goal. And the heroes of humanity are the people who have gone into the deepest, darkest places. They've gone into the worst parts, but they've come out. And we love looking at those heroic stories because it tells us something. It tells us we can get out too. It tells us there is hope for us. And we look at those people and we admire them because we think, maybe I could be like them. Maybe I could do what they do. And I'm going to tell you, so two things happen. This is what we're looking at today. If you don't get out of the pit, you will either become a victim or a villain. One or the other. You're thrown in. And if you don't get out, you become one of those things. So, so here's what we find. And we're all thrown in. So in some sense, we're all, we're all victims of this world. So here's what we're going to learn today. This is the other thing. What you do today will determine your tomorrow. 
And what you do today will determine how far into the pit you go, potentially, or you're thrown in, but it will also determine if you get out. And it's not just you. But you getting out of the pit, your family is dependent on that. Because if you don't get out, you will bring them down into the pit with you. And what we're going to see today is your choices today will affect not just you, but the people that you love. And we see this, so Jacob, we've been looking at the life of Jacob. Well, we're coming to the end of Jacob's life. And he meets with all 12 of his sons, and he gathers them up. And he tells them what is going to happen in their future. But here's what he does. He links their future to what they have been doing in the present. And what he shows is that what they inherit tomorrow is because of what was done today. And it just, not only them, but their family's future, their whole tribe, it has a profound effect on your family. Here's what's happening. Each of, each of his sons are creating a culture. And they're raising their kids up in that culture. And that culture is then dictating the future of those people because that culture gets her- inherited all the way from generation to generation to generation. And so you, you can see this with people. I mean, you can see this with families. From generation to generation, just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Sometimes tragedies they're thrown into, but sometimes tragedies that they stay in. And at some point, somebody in the family breaks the cycle and gets out. So what you do today will echo on tomorrow and all the way into eternity. And you're passing behaviors onto your family more than you realize from anger to depression, to negativity, to this victim mindset, to a villain mindset, or from strength and bravery and courage and compassion and love and peace. And so, by the way, here's what we're doing. We're taking the imagery of Joseph, who was thrown into a literal pit by his brothers. And this event shapes not only the rest of his life, but the rest of his family's life. It has a profound effect on their future and all those that he loves. And so that's the setting. He's thrown into a pit by his brothers. They're going to kill him, but they decide, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery. And this event turns into either, for some people, redemptive events or for some people, tragedy. And it all is affected on this, this event and how they handle it. And so here's, what, here's our setting. Jacob comes and he's giving his last words to his sons. And he links what they've done to what will happen in the future. So let me read it to you. We're in Genesis 49. We're going to read a few verses, 1 and 2, 5 through 7, and 22 through 26. So here you go. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to them in their comp- to their company. For in their anger they killed men. And in their will- willfulness they ham- humstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob. I will scatter them in Israel. But Joseph, Joseph is a fruitful bough, 
a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attack him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you. With blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast of the womb, blessings of your father are, are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills, may they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. All right, so first we're going to look at how the world will throw us into the pit and will turn us into victims. We're all victims, but will you stay there is the big question. So verse 1, Jacob, he gathers up his sons, and he says, I want to tell you what's going to happen to you in the days to come. Now this is this line, in the days to come, it's meant to be prophetic, but it's also meant to be something else. It's meant for us to understand that the things that we do today are going to echo on into the future and on and on and on. Because a culture is being built by you today in your families and in all of the places where you go, even in your workplaces, you're building this culture. And that culture that you build will echo on and change the future. And one of the most defining events in this family's life is the brothers, 10 of them, pushing their brother, their little brother, 13 years old, Joseph, into this pit. And he thinks they're going to kill him because that's what they've been saying. And then they decide, no, we're going to sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery, and then they tell their father that he's dead. And this sets everything into motion their future. So he's in this pit, he's brought out, but, well, there's a reason it's using pit imagery. Because time after time, Joseph gets thrown into the pit, but he keeps coming out. But that's to come. So the point is that your actions today will throw you into the pit, and the actions of others will throw you in the pit, and this world, no doubt about it, will throw you into a pit, into the darkness, into Sheol. And how you react to what happens to you will determine if you get out of the pit or not. And there's no way around it. It affects you, your spouse, your kids, those around you. And there's no way around the fact that life will throw you into a pit. We are prey of this world. Victims to what others have done to us, what life has done to us. And right now, so let's focus in on Jacob because here's what Jacob does. Jacob gets thrown into the pit and he just wants to stay there. So he's thrown into the pit, and he literally says to his sons, I am not getting out of this pit. My son Joseph is gone, and I refuse to come out of this. And they're trying to pull him up out of it, and he says, no, I am going to go down to Sheol. He says this chapters earlier. And so what he's saying is, look, I've lost my favorite son. I'm in hell, and I'm not coming out. And I'm making the decision to not come out because life is not worth living for me anymore. I am not willing to try again. I am done. He's a victim of this world, and his sorrows have brought him to the point to where his suffering is so exceeded there being for him any purpose for him in this life. So he's done. And this is the type of thing. You suffer and not see a purpose behind it, and you will find yourself 
spiraling down into a pit and you will not get out of it if you do not see a purpose behind anything. You could be the most positive person in the world, take the most positive person in the world, throw them into a pit of suffering, and if they don't see a purpose behind it, they're not coming out. So the loss of his son drives him to despair, and he spends his life there, and he says, I'm not leaving this place. And then later on in his life, he finds out his son is alive. But he also characterizes it as his life is intense suffering. Now, look, look, here's the point. He didn't want to get out. And the question is, could he have gotten out? And should he have gotten out? And the answer is yes, and we actually find out the key to doing this later on in the next chapter, and I'm going to talk about that later, but not yet. He became a victim his whole life, and he chose to stay there. Now, is this heroic? Well, no, it's not. This is not what Jesus means when he says he wants our life to be a life of abundance, like now. He's saying he wants us to, to, to live, to come up out of the pit. And, you know, we love the stories of people who have gone down into the depths and have come out because it means that there's hope for us. And it reminds us that we could get out too. So we're going to suffer. It's going to happen. And if you didn't know that, I'm sorry that I've brought this news to you today. And if you're not suffering now, it will come because life hurts. And suffering will throw you into this pit. And if you don't get out, your life will be destroyed in this shield. And you're going to drag your loved ones in with you. Because you're going to get lonely, and you're not going to want to stay in there alone. So you're going to pull them in with you. And so if you suffer in this world, I want you to know that the likelihood, when you suffer, of you becoming a victim is very high. And you taking on a victim mindset is very high. I mean, how could you not? You really are literally a victim. And once you've taken this mindset and you think that this is it, this is it for you, like what Jacob did, you're going to constantly, no matter what happens in your life, see yourself as a victim and it will continue to multiply and you're going to continue to see things happen in your life and you're going to say, see, I'm just a victim and you just get deeper and deeper and deeper. And the other thing you've got to see is Jacob was already in a pit himself. So he spent, here's Jacob's life. The, the father of all Israel. This, he, here was his life. He grows up. He desperately wanted to be loved and accepted by his father, yet his father rejected him and, and loved his other brother more than him. And he wanted it, and he got rejected. So much so that it caused him to do something that made him have to leave his home. So he's rejected by his family. He's kicked out. His brother's ready to kill him. Like, literally, he tries to kill him. So he runs, and he meets this girl, Rachel, and her beauty is unmatched. And so he says, oh my gosh, if I get her, then everybody will know that I'm worthy. She could be what? He takes her as his redeemer, the one who's going to lift him up out of the pit, the one who's going to make everybody okay, make him okay, the one who's going to let the world know that Jacob is worth something. And so he links to her, and he does this, and well... This doesn't really go so well because now he's, he's really hoping that Rachel's going to be his savior. So, here's the point. Someone is not meant to pull you out of the pit. Not somebody here. Not your family. Not your friends. This is your story. 
and it's a story of you coming out of the pit. It must be you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get help from people, but, but don't give the work to them. It is, it's your job to come up out of the pit. That's your story. That's your heroic story that God has called you to live. Now, so watch what happens. He gets in this pit, and he, he sees Rachel as his deliverer. So watch what happens. He transfers. So she's, he has four wives. I can't get into that now, but he loves Rachel the most. She's the redeemer. She dies. So then he transfers his hope to Joseph. Joseph is his favorite. Joseph's going to be the one that tells him everything's okay, the one that's going to get him out of the pit, but he loves him most. And so his 10 other brothers hate him for it. They're jealous of Joseph because he's the most loved, so they throw him into a pit. So his father's already in a pit. He wants Joseph to get him out of the pit, but now look, Joseph is in the pit because of jealousy, and then his father thinks he's dead, so he's driven further into a pit. So these one little things continue to spiral and spiral and spiral. He's in hell on earth. And he chooses to be there, well, because at least he can be in control of something. It's so tempting to do exactly what Jacob does. It's so tempting because you really are a victim. And this life will beat you up. And it could beat you into hell or it could beat the hell out of you. So, but, so what, what's going to happen? Because the world's a cruel place. So my guess is that many of you at some point, maybe even now, you feel pretty helpless. And you don't know what to do and you don't know how to get out of the pit. And you're not actually sure if you want to get out of the pit. Maybe it's just better for you just to go ahead and stay there. So we all have a story that we think we're in. And, and many of the times we make ourselves victims to a story. And you are a victim. But the question is, are you going to stay there as this victim? Because if you don't get out, it's going to lead to greater hurt for you, greater hurt for your family, and greater hurt for those that you love. Because you're going to drag them down with you. And what happens is, by taking on a victim mindset, you take on this self-fulfilling prophecy that, that comes. Why? Because, well... You stop taking responsibility for things in your life. And you blame the world for why you are the way that you are. And you blame the world for the things that are happening to you. And the world is to blame. But the question is, are you going to allow that to keep you down in the pit? And you'll, what, what will happen is you'll actually start taking on this identity as a victim. And you'll become proud about it. And... Well, you've probably had a much harder life than your friends if, if you're in a pit. At least in your mind you have. But you can't let that keep you there. And the mindset's going to wreck your family. And, and here's what will happen. They'll try to help you. And they'll be trying to help you more than you're trying to help yourself, like, like Jacob's sons were. And then your family will start resenting you because you're pulling them down in the pit with you. They're, you're bringing them into your own personal hell. And if they're smart, they'll stop falling into the pit with you. It's not that they're not helping, but they're not going in. They're like reaching their hand down, but they realize you've got to be the one who gets out of the pit yourself. And you have a choice if this is you. Like, what are you going to do? 
Will you stay in the pit as a victim or climb out? And the climbing out is much harder than you think because you can't trick yourself into thinking it's worth climbing out. And every part of you will say this is hopeless. What's the point? And as soon as you, here's the other thing. As soon as you get out the pit, something throws you back in. Or you realize there was a bigger pit and you're just in section one and there's like 10 sections. It's just, this is life. And, and I've I got to be honest with you about this. So we look around, we look, at, we look around in our country and I, I, I believe we're taking on a victim mindset. Both parties are taking on a victim mindset, and we're vilifying the other party, and we're wondering why we're getting more and more divided. We're never going to get this figured out if we continue to vilify the other side and continue for us to be victims of the other side. And it's the same thing with your spouse, too. If you, because we're starting to look, so we're starting to look to, to, to government or, or a person or politics to be our redeemer, but we start doing this with our family, too. We look to our spouse. You're going to suffocate them. We look to our kids. You're going to pull them down in the pit with you. They can't be your savior. And many of you have been hurt by a loved one, and that's thrown you into the pit. And rightfully so. But don't stay there. Don't let that be the end of your story. You look at most of the movies you love. You know why you love the movie? Because it starts like this. The movie starts out, everything's happy, boom. Boom. Someone's thrown down into some type of pit. And, and the story doesn't end there. That would be sad. The rest of this movie or story is somebody trying to get out of the pit. And if it's a really good one, you can see how you can identify with that person. And you start seeing how they're getting out of the pit. And you start saying, oh, I'm interested in this because I can learn how to get out of this pit myself. That's why we're drawn to those stories. There's a way out. But before I tell you, something else happens to you if you're thrown into the pit. Not only do you become a victim, but you can become a villain. You can actually become a victim that slowly turns into a villain. It's a pretty common story. So what I want to do now, we're moving from Jacob to his two sons, Levi and Simeon. So there are these brothers, and they're thrown into a pit, and they turn into villains because of it. And it's a lot easier than you think. It just depends on how far into the pit you're thrown. So Simeon and Levi, they go to war with a whole entire people group, a whole entire nation. So what happened is their sister was raped. It's a tragic story. It's an incredibly tragic story. And they go to not get justice, but go beyond justice. They go to get revenge, and here's what happens. So, so this guy rapes their, their sister, but he wants to marry her. So the father comes and talks, and there's this back and forth, and they say, wouldn't it be great if our our men and our women all got married. So they say, oh, that would be great. So Levi and Simeon devised this plan. Let's tell them, sure, we'll do this, but all of your men have to be circumcised. Well, they agreed to it. So they're, okay, it's happening. So three days after it happens, the whole nation is circumcised. They're all sore and in pain. Levi and Simeon organize this raid, and they go and kill every man in this place. And then they plunder everything, and they take all the women and children as plunder. So they took something that was horrible that happened to them. And they turned into villains because of it. Now you can kind of identify with them a little bit, right? You can say, well, uh, man, if that happened to me, like, how would I respond to this? So this is what happens. And then, by the way, this isn't justice. This is rage. This is revenge. This is why God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Because if you try to take vengeance 
you just turn into a villain. We seek justice, but not vengeance. And so what happens is their father did not want this to happen. Now their lives are in jeopardy because of all the surrounding nations. They don't know if they're going to attack them. So Jacob says this about them. Something horrible happens to them. We could see how we could do the same thing given the right circumstances. So here's what Jacob says about them at the end in his, his speech at the end of his life. He says, they will be divided because of their fierce anger. Or in other words, let's not let them stay together because if we do, their anger and their wrath will lead to genocide. So this literally happens. So you take Simeon. Simeon builds this whole culture. this tribal group of people. And then there's a war and they're dispersed among all the other tribes. They lose their land. Here's what happens with Levi. Before even Levi, his tribe gets a chance, God says, you're going to be priests. It's funny. You took the most violent people and you say, we're going to make them priests. So these priests are dispersed among all of the tribes of Israel in order to act as priests in all the tribes so they don't ever get a homeland. So this actually comes to pass. And then even with Moses, so Moses is part of the the Levites. When he's a baby, he's shipped out of his house, down a river. He ends up staying at the home of his one day great enemy pharaoh it's interesting what we do today has a profound effect on tomorrow and these are prophecies but they're also you got to understand this too this is behavioral patterns that transfer from generation to generation until a whole culture is built and a whole tribe is there so you take your culture the what culture you're building in your family echoes on and on and on So don't let what the world does to you, when it throws you into the pit, don't let it turn you into a villain because it can happen so easily. If something bad happens to you, you have a choice in how you're going to respond. And if you take vengeance, you will become a villain faster than you think. So this, and it'll destroy your soul. So this is demonstrated perfectly in the show Breaking Bad, if you've seen it. So it's, a, it's, it's an amazing show, and here's what happens. The, the main character is diagnosed with cancer, and he's going to die. And he's got a son who has some health problems. And, he's gonna, and he can't afford cancer treatment. And he can't afford to take care of his family. So he's got to do something. So he starts making drugs. And he's really good at it. Because it turns out he's a genius. So he does this. And over the course of time, we slow, slowly see him break bad. And you can, you can identify with this guy. You're like, I, I could see how I could potentially do something like this if I had the ability to do what he's doing. And very slowly, he breaks bad. Now, what we also find out is that he was already in a bit of a pit as a victim. He's angry about his life. He's cynical about his life because he's a genius. And he's seen all of his friends succeed, but he has not. So he was already in a pit. We just didn't know it. So he turned from this victim slowly into a villain. It's easy to happen. He was already in a pit of anger, and it just started showing himself. Now... It doesn't always show itself in major acts of violence. In fact, it's often passive and a bit civilized. So think of it like this. Someone does something bad to you. Mm. Then it happens again. Just a bigger sigh. It happens a third time and you're just kind of growling. And what you start to think is, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't trust anybody. So then you start watching everybody and you start making them a bit of your enemy. In the back of your mind. But then you start doing things where you're acting as if they are your enemy. And you start treating them away as if they're your enemy. 
You don't even realize you're doing it, but it's happening. And then over time, they do something to you because you've been treating them like an enemy. And you say, see, I told you, everybody in this world is against me. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or to take a kid and, you know, he grows up and he doesn't have a really healthy family life. He never seems to be able to do, like, he or she never seems to be able to do things right. Just everybody's like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Until, over time, here's what happens. The family, well, he gets out, she gets out, but then thinks everybody's going to talk bad about me. And so what you find is that this person is constantly gossiping, constantly tearing people up around them because they don't, they don't want it to happen to them first. And then they find, well, everybody hates me. Well, it's because everybody knows you're talking bad about them. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, there's a show called Justified. It's an amazing show, another amazing show. And in the first episode, this line still gives me the chills. So this guy, he, he's had a hard life as a kid, his, parent, his home life wasn't good, but he goes into the law enforcement. And he seeks justice against horrible criminals. But there's this pattern where he keeps killing these criminals. And he's justified in doing it. They're bad people. But people start wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? And so he's meeting with his ex-wife, and, and, he, and he says, you know, I'm a good man, right? And she says, you're the angriest man I know. He was the victim of a hard life, and he's angry about it, and he's looking for any way to dispense that anger in some way because he never really got up out of the pit. Victims of this world often turn into villains. The oppressed often turn into oppressors. The child who's beaten by his father often beats his own kids and gets in fights all the time and beats everybody up because they never got up out of the pit. Have enough things go bad in your life and you will become angry enough. And you will find yourself slowly doing things that you didn't think you were capable of doing. And you know what? It'll start, it'll start with your family. It'll start with those closest to you because they're with you all the time. And very slowly, you'll leave a trail of destruction behind you. You'll ruin your marriage. Your kids will end up hating you. And your friends will have left you. And it's all because you really just ran them out. So the question becomes, finally, how do we get out of the pit? So this brings us to Joseph, the one who goes the deepest into the pit and gets out. So he's the hero of the story. He's the one we ought to try to live like. So how does he get out? Well, he's thrown into a pit that would take most of us down. Specifically, he is betrayed, thrown into a literal pit by his brothers to be killed, to die. Now, He's betrayed. In the book Dante's Inferno, he attempts to poetically describe hell. And he says there are, there are nine levels or circles. And he says at the deepest level are the worst of sinners. There are those who have betrayed the people that they love and that love them. And what this is showing, if Dante's right, is that Joseph is in the deepest of all pits. He's been betrayed by the ones that he loves and that are supposed to be loving him. And so he's brought into Sheol, into the deepest darkness, into the abyss, into hell on earth, but he gets out. And every single time, Joseph seems to be able to get into pits that he is thrown in. It's not just this pit. He's thrown into a literal prison, and he gets out of that. In fact, he rises up to be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. 
So how did he get out? I'm glad you asked me that question. His mindset, his worldview, and his belief system. So what was this belief system that Joseph had that kept getting him out of these pits? He says it at the end of the book of Genesis. He says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Meaning that God will bring something good out of this. No matter what it is that I'm going through, Joseph says, I knew in my heart that God would somehow bring good out of it. And that was his mindset, that was his mentality, that was his belief system by faith that brought him to trust that God is in control of all things and he is working all things out for good so he could trust that things would work out for good. So therefore, that was his mindset and that's the thing that brought him up out of the pit. And I, I, I've been thinking about this all week, and I, I cannot think of another way to get out of a pit, like another belief system that's going to bring you out. Because if you can't find purpose behind your suffering, well, you say, what's the point of this? Is life just purposeless and meaninglessness, and all it is is a life full of suffering? And if you think that that's what it is, why get out? At least you can control it. At least you can just sit there and say, I'm going to choose to be sad. I'm not going to let the world bring me down. And I promise you, if you think that suffering is purposeless, you will knock it out. Because what will you cling to? There's no hope. And if you don't adopt this belief system that God will bring good out of even the worst things, you're going to fall in the pit, and you're going to stay there, and you're going to drag your kids down with you, and you're going to drag the people that you love down with you because you are just lonely down there, and you want to share this misery with somebody. That's the way us humans are. We don't want to be alone. I mean, we like to be alone. We often say, oh, I wish I was alone in this place, but as soon as we get there, we're like, oh, man, this sucks. I need to go be with people. If you're a Christian, you have to ask yourself, when you're thrown into the pit, and it feels like it's, this is the worst it could ever be, you have to ask yourself, was everything just lip service, or did I really believe that this is true? Am I going to put my beliefs into practice? And look at this, too. Your ability to get out of the pit will actually determine your success later on in life. This is what happens with Joseph. So all these horrible series of events happens to Joseph. He's, th he's almost killed by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. Then he winds up at this place, and then he's thrown into jail. But all of these things bring him eventually to Pharaoh, the one who has the most power. And he looks at Joseph, and he knows there's something about him. And he literally says, hey, Joseph, here's my entire kingdom. You can care for it all. He gives him responsibility of everything. Why? Because he saw something in Joseph, that he had the ability to go into the deepest and darkest of places and come up out of there. It wouldn't take him down. And so he knew he could trust him. This is the, by the way, this is the story of the Lord of the Rings. This normal little guy goes to the worst place of all, the place where no one can go, the deepest, darkest abyss, and he comes out. And he goes home and becomes this great leader among his people because he's entered into the darkest of places and come out. He's entered into the pit. And that's why Joseph's father, here at the end, when he gives him his last speech, he says, Joseph, you're the 11th born, but I'm making you have the responsibility of the firstborn. And in that culture, that was a big deal. 
He was responsible for the entire family. Now, why would his father give him that responsibility? Because he was the one who went down into the depths and came out. And Jacob knew that his son could take the rest of his family to the depths and come out. And some of you are in a pit. You're in the abyss. You're in the darkness. You're in your own personal hell on earth. And it's time to climb out. It's time to know that God has a purpose in it. You can stay there. You have every right to stay there. But God's saying, come out. And this is what faith is all about. You can't see. You don't know what's happening next. But that's part of life in this world. Not knowing what's happening next, but trusting God still. You say, oh, I could look like a fool. Of course you could. But you already look like a fool down in the pit. So just trust him. Well, that's a little harder to do. But I, 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 will, I will tell you this. No other religion is, is honest about the tragedy of this life. And no other religion is as hopeful about getting up out of the darkness and into the bright light of Christ. And this, and, and this is where we, where we come. This is how you really get out. So you, you can't trick yourself into thinking that you can trust God. You can't trick yourself. You have to actually believe that while this is so bad, that there is actually a hope. And this is not my end. In fact, the deeper I go into the pit, I trust God even more that he's going to bring me up further to the heights. So here's the question. How do you know that you can trust God, that he will bring good out of the worst things that have happened to you? Well, you have to see that he's already done it. This This is putting your belief into practice. This is knowing that God has already come down into the pits and come up out of it and brought you out of it. And now all you simply do is act out what you already believe has already happened for you. Here's what I mean. Jesus Christ came into the darkness of this world. But he didn't just come into this world. He went down as deep and as far into the darkest of places where screams are not even heard and light is swallowed up by the darkness. And there in death, he did the impossible. He rose to life. Like a tree that was planted in the pit, he sunk his hands in to death. He made roots in it and he came up out of it and broke through. His roots dug deep and he came out like an oak. In fact, do you know the cross is often called a tree in the Bible? So he was planted into the pit of despair on the cross. And he grew up to the tallest of trees that reached up to the heavens because his roots went down so deep into death. And now we climb him up out of the pit into new life by faith in him. He's the ultimate hero who rescues us up out of the pit. But you know what else he does? He lets you learn how to climb him. And this is, this is the testing every single day. This is us growing in our faith. God is giving us opportunities to learn how to reach up to the next branch. He's not going to let you fall. He's promised he's not going to let you do it, but he's going to let you think that you are, but he wants you to take the step of faith, the next step of faith. 
And learning to climb is a good thing. And you know what else? Going down into the pit, you know what you're doing there? You're facing your deepest and your darkest of fears. But do you know what else is down there waiting for you in your deepest, darkest of fears? Christ. He's already gone into the abyss. In fact, a lot of times in life, that is the place where we meet him. That is the place where we develop this intimacy with God. It's not when everything is all peachy and nice. It's when we've gone down into the depths, we're being tried, and we're failing over and over and over again. And it's there, in the darkness, in the fear, that we reach for the only one who will rescue us, Christ. And then he teaches you to climb out. But he's rescuing you out. And you know what that means? You don't have to fear the pit. In fact, this is going to sound so weird. You could think, ah, the pit. Man, that's going to be horrible. But you know what? I'm going to meet the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, Jesus Christ, over and over and over again. So pit, I'm jumping in. I mean, don't do that. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. That's where he is. He's waiting for you in the dark places. And that's where you meet him in a way that you've never met him before. That's where deep healing takes place. Because you're meeting him in the place where you are most hurt. The place where you are most in pain. The place where you are most vulnerable. The place where you, ha- you have all of these wounds. And he meets you there and he gives you life. And, he, and he, it, these are the holes in you. And he's pushing, like he pushes his fingers of life into the cracks in you. And he gives you life. But it happens in the depths And that means he could even bring the worst of villains out. He could bring the most sparing victims out. So go climb the tree of Christ because he was planted on the cross so you can get out of darkness into marvelous light with him. All right, I'm praying. God, we do pray that you would just completely change the way we think about this world and about life. And that as we are, we have been thrown into the pit and we're victims and we're wallowing, Christ, I pray that you would meet us there in that pit and give us life and carry us up out of the pit. And God, I pray that in the ways that we have become villains and we're slowly breaking bad, I pray that you would reverse that, God. And I pray that you'd help us get out of the pit that we've been thrown into. And God, I pray that you would teach us to be people who say, ah, this is not good, but God will bring good out of it. That this is not the end of the story and it's not the end of my story because I have a God who has a story and his story is to come into the world and rescue me and bring me up out of it. And so God, give us the faith that we know that you are that kind of God. Let us meet you there in the abyss. Bring us home. Help us venture further into Eden because we've gone deeper into the depths with you. In Jesus' name, amen.